All right, so this morning we're going to be continuing our series called Secretly Incredible. Okay, I want to go ahead and tell you guys, in high school, I played soccer. This was about 30 pounds ago and about five years ago, okay? So I played soccer, and every year our soccer team would have a soccer team banquet to follow our season. We'd get together, we'd celebrate our mediocrity, um, our losses more than our wins, and we'd just get together to have a good time because that's what we were best at as a team, just going out there, having the best time we could have. But my favorite part of these banquets was always the award ceremony. I loved the award ceremony at the banquet. You'd see people receive MVP trophies, uh, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. There was this one called like the Coach's Award, which was really like Coach's Pet. You know, the, the guy who was snapping at all the players when the coach wasn't around. I got that one one time. Uh, <laughs> but the award that I always found the most interesting, the award that I thought was the coolest was called the Unsung Hero Award. The Unsung Hero Award. Our unsung hero was always a player who was really consistent, who did all of the little things right, and was always doing whatever it took to put the team on a better trajectory to win. The unsung hero wasn't always in the newspaper. Rarely ever did they make the front page. They didn't fill up the highlight reel. They just did their job and helped the team. The unsung hero, his value was never understood and was always underestimated. See, but the crazy thing about seeing this award given out all four years in high school is the guy who received it didn't feel cheated. He didn't feel like he was snubbed of a greater award, like he should have deserved the Offensive Player of the Year or the MVP. It never bothered the unsung hero. They were just elated and excited to have been a part of the team working towards the mission at hand to win games. And that's the cool thing about looking at secretly incredible people in the Bible. The purpose of this isn't to find some forgotten, underestimated people so we could give them the credit that they really deserved all along. The point is that through the actions of secretly incredible people, God is glorified and known through their actions. God is glorified and known through their actions. It's never been about giving them the credit they deserve. So that's what we're going to see as we keep going through this this morning. We're going to see another secretly incredible person who might seem like they got snubbed or didn't get the recognition they deserved, but really what they were doing was playing their part in God's plan so he would be glorified. Some of you might feel like unsung heroes or secretly incredible people in your lives, in your community, in your job. Some of you guys feel like your hard work never gets noticed. It doesn't mean anything. But just this week, I stumbled across a quote as I'm preparing for this. It, it was really great timing. I, I was looking at a Craig Groeschel sermon, and he said this. He said, just because what you do is invisible doesn't mean it's not important. Just because what you do is invisible doesn't mean it's not important. This is something we need to remember as we strive to be secretly incredible. So let's lean in this morning. We're going to be looking at a very well-known story in the Bible. And we're going to see how God used someone's secretly incredible actions to do something amazing. So if you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus miraculously feeding the 5,000. Everybody heard this story before? 
Some of you guys have heard it a thousand times. Some of you guys, it might be fresh and new for you. And that's awesome because we're going to take a great look at it this morning. This is one of those stories, probably one of the first things I remember learning um, as a young Christian in church, you know, in Sunday school class. And there's like all these props and someone brought, brought bread to Sunday school and it was really weird. Uh, but we're, we're going to go ahead and dive into this. Uh, you've probably seen this story a thousand times, but let's not lose sight of how important and how significant this story is. This miracle is interesting because it's actually the only miracle in the Bible that is recorded in all four of the Gospels before the resurrection. This should go ahead and emphasize how important and wonderful and amazing this event really is. This is also one of seven miracles specifically mentioned in the Gospel of John. Even right before we're going to pick up in John chapter 6, right before this, Jesus had just healed a paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. So people had already seen Jesus perform miracles. You know, there's a, there's a buzz, there's an uproar. They're like, oh my gosh, people are seeing and hearing this Jesus guy. He's controversial, he's doing incredible things, he's performing miracles, and people are experiencing Jesus and believing in Jesus. So let's go ahead and dive in to John chapter 6. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. So here we see Jesus going up on a mountain to rest for a while. Any busybodies in here? Any of you guys who just, or do you know somebody like this who just complains all the time, I never have time for rest. I never have time for sleep. What I'm doing is far too important. We see Jesus rest here. And he's the son of God, so he can do this if if he wants to. Okay, we don't have to criticize him. So we see Jesus going up on a mountain to rest. But here comes the paparazzi. Okay, here comes that group of people following Jesus, trying to figure out a little bit more of who he is. Remember in Forrest Gump, when uh, Forrest decides he wants to go for a run, and he runs for like months on end, <laughs> and after a couple months in, you look behind him, and there's like hundreds of people following him. They want to experience this amazing thing. They want to be a part of this thing. That's what this is like. They've heard about Jesus. They've seen him do some incredible things, and now they're following him. But Jesus was doing something so much more incredible than running. We're going to pick up here in verse 5. It says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So then Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have one bite. So it's time to eat. And I guess when you're the Son of God and multitudes of people are following you, You're responsible for picking up the tab and making sure everybody gets dinner. Okay, this seems fair and legit to me, I guess. Uh, But let's keep going. He says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many people? Jesus basically said, challenge accepted. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. 
About 5,000 men were there, so we can imagine there was probably additional thousands by adding women and children that were likely there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the signs Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Maybe you've heard this story a thousand times before, but let's not lose sight of what we just saw here in this scripture. We just saw a miracle happen, something incredible, and this was no secret. Jesus took some kid's lunchable and just fed thousands of people with it. This is incredible. Let's not lose sight of how just amazing this is. And he also managed to fill 12 baskets with the leftovers. The awesomeness of Jesus is no secret in this story. This wasn't the first miracle Jesus had done, and it wasn't going to be his last. Jesus did what nobody else on the scene could have done. But when we look at the details of this story, we see Jesus' miracle-working power following the actions of a very insignificant person doing something incredibly selfless. We see a small boy giving up his lunch. And he may not have known it at this moment, but what he did was secretly incredible. This boy's name is not mentioned in Scripture, and he's only actually mentioned here in the Gospel of John. In the other Gospel accounts of this story, we see that the bread and fish were made available in some way, but the boy who gave up the food is not mentioned at all. The boy in this story may not be named, and he may not seem all that significant, But he did something that was secretly incredible. And we can follow his lead and take action in our lives doing the same thing that he did. Now, I don't mean run home and take all your fish and bread out of your freezer and, you know, offer it up to God in some prayer or something. That's not what I mean. But what I think God wants us to learn from this story and learn from the actions of this small boy is that God doesn't need our abilities. He wants our availability. God doesn't need your ability He wants your availability. This child stepped up and offered what he had to solve a problem he saw. He made himself and the resources he had available and put them in the hands of someone so much more capable than him. He didn't trust in his own abilities to make something happen. Okay, we didn't see the boy walk up and, you know, push everybody out of the way and say, look, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to feed everybody here. No, but he put what he had in the hands of one who could multiply and bless the multitudes. The Bible doesn't say how the food was acquired from the child, but we do know that it was made available. Is anyone in here stingy about your food? Some of you guys are looking at your spouse like, this one over here. Look, uh, Candace isn't here this morning, so this is going to be just our little secret, you know, me and all you guys. This is 12,000% my wife. <laughs> Do not touch Candace's food. All right, we're, we're moving from sermon time to formal warnings time, okay? 
This is a, a completely different section of the sermon this morning. Do not touch her food. Do not ask about her food. Do not look at her food. Do not sit within 10 feet of her food. I'm serious. I can be sitting enjoying a meal with my wife, and I haven't even asked for a bite or to taste whatever's on her plate, but she will make it very clear that it's not mine. <laughs> Several times throughout the meal. <laughs> you do not touch her food. See, a lot of us can be that way about our food, but we don't see that here. I imagine a hungry kid in the midst of a very boisterous, hungry crowd trying to figure out what to do, having to decide whether he would keep what he had for himself or whether he would put what he had in the hands of the God of miracles. He didn't know what Jesus was going to do, but he trusted Jesus with the faith of a child. See, a lot of times we, we fail to realize that we can be most useful to the kingdom when we simply act in obedience and faith. And we simply act where God's called us to act and have the faith that he's going to follow through. See, God doesn't need you to be a superstar who has everything figured out. He doesn't need you to be strong because he is plenty strong enough without you. He doesn't need you to be more intelligent because his ways are higher than ours. He doesn't need us to take control of our lives and prove how great we are. He is sovereign and far more capable to make use of your gifts than you are. Look through the Bible, and you'll see a bunch of flawed misfits who rose up to do big things. A lot of these people who we look up to in the Bible, we call them you know, the, the heroes of faith and all these things, they were flawed people, misfits, who rose up to do big things not in their own strength and in their own abilities, but in their obedience and faith in who God is. When David took down Goliath, it wasn't David's strength or his ability that gave him the edge. It was his obedience to offer himself an act where God showed him there was a need. When the Red Sea split before Moses and he led the Israelites to safety, it wasn't the power of Moses or his abilities and leadership or anything special about him that got the job done. It was his obedience and faith that God would provide the miracle that God's power would be seen in this act. Look through the book of Judges. You'll see leaders with handicaps, people drowning in their fear, people who didn't fit the mold of what was needed for the Israelites. But in their weakness, the power of God was put on full display for all to see that the God of Israel was the God of the universe. Throughout the Bible, we see unimpressive people do big things for God, when they rely on his strength and ability and not on their own. It's very clear when we look at the Bible that God isn't looking for the skilled. This is good news for me, okay? I'm assuming it's good news for you too. He's not looking for the skilled, the strongest, the smartest to do his work, but rather the vessel who will be obedient and available to what God asked them to do. See, in your life, the power of God is not going to be the most evident in a powerful you. The power of God is going to be the most evident in a weak, reliant you that trusts in God's abilities far more than your own. The child that stepped up and gave what he had didn't multiply his food to feed thousands. And Jesus isn't asking you to do that either. 
When our resources are put in the hands of God, the miraculous can be done. He's not asking you to be more able. He's asking you to be more available. When what I have is placed in the hands of God, it can be multiplied to make an impact unimaginable, just like it was for the small child. So what do you have to offer? Let me turn it to you, church. What is it that you have to offer? Your resources, your gifts, the things that God's blessed you with. Do you have the faith to believe that through the little bit that you have, that God could do something unimaginable? See, it's easy to doubt our abilities when we look around us and we see brokenness and lostness and darkness in the world around us. But that's okay, because guess what? It's never been about you or my ability to save the world or Harrison County or the city of Clarksburg. It's about making yourself available to God so that he can do something that would blow your mind. God doesn't need your ability. He wants you to surrender to making yourself more available. Church, God has gifted you with something that you're either holding tight and clinging to yourself or you're surrendering to him. He's gifted you with something, some resources, some talents, something that you're either keeping to yourself or you're putting on the table for the king to do something with. Your ability, your gifts, your talents, your resources, they'll never amount to much if you're not offering them up to the king for the sake of his kingdom. Whether it seems like you have a lot or a little to give, it would be far more useful for you to make it available to God. What can you do with it apart from him? He's not asking you to be more able and more strong and do more with your gifts and resources in yourself. He's asking you to make yourself available so that he can do something big with it. Maybe you want to be obedient and you want to surrender what you have to the kingdom, but you don't know where to start. I'd encourage you to open your Bible, look at the Bible, and then look all around you. Because maybe it starts with looking for a need in your community, in your, your workplace, in your uh, wherever you are, and believing that God can use you to fill that need. See, as I've been dwelling on this message um, over the last few weeks, and, and really just the gospel message in general, I've I've realized, you know, one of my favorite things about the overall message of the gospel is it reminds me that I don't have to be impressive. Like I stated before, this is really good news for me because I don't feel that impressive most of the time. The gospel reminds me that I don't have to be impressive and you don't either. I don't have to be strong. I don't have to make myself more lovable. It's never been about what I can do. It's always been about what Jesus did. This is great news for all of us. That when I am weak, God's strength and ability can steal the show. I don't have to be remarkable in my own abilities because God is far more able. Maybe the most remarkable thing you could do in your life today is be obedient to God's call in your life. To step out in faith when you see a need and trust that Jesus has the power to take or uh, to do something great with that situation. I'm betting there are some areas of your life today that you've yet to surrender and make available to the God who can multiply what we cling to so dearly. If God has given you some amazing resources 
and a platform that's visible to others? Could you use it to point to Jesus and his ability rather than using it to glorify yourself? Could you do something secretly incredible with what God has given you? What if we left here this morning committed to shifting our eyes from our own abilities and our own strengths and we focused on making ourselves available to a God who is far more able and far more powerful than us? What would we see happen to the city of Clarksburg if we offered what we had and set the stage for God to work a miracle in this town? Not in our resources as a church or in our strengths and our gifts combined, but what if we just put it all out there and said, God, if you want to do something amazing with this town, we will be available, we will be ready, and we will be obedient. The child in John chapter 6 saw a need that he couldn't fill in his own abilities. But Jesus didn't need his ability. But the availability and the willingness of the child proved to set the stage for all of the eyes to be put on Jesus. The same is true of you this morning. Be obedient where God calls you and have the faith that with the little that you have to offer, God could do something amazing. The band's going to go ahead and come up this morning. Maybe this morning God is working on your heart about this. Have you trusted too much in your own good, in your own abilities, in your own strength, in your own intelligence that you've left little room for God to move? I'd ask you to take a look at yourself. Say, have I made myself available to the king this morning? If everyone would stand, every head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you've been so caught up in your abilities that you failed to make room for Jesus to work through your simple obedience and availability. He is far more able than you are. This is the God and the creator of the universe we're talking about this morning. If he could breathe the universe into existence, He could take the little you have to offer and do something amazing with it. The boy in this story this morning did something secretly incredible. He didn't trust in his own power or his own ability. He made himself available. In what areas of your life do you need to make yourself more available to the king? The altar's open this morning. God's working on your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not quite sure about Jesus. Or you don't yet have a relationship with him. But listen to me, this story we looked at today is just a glimpse of what Jesus can do when we stop trying on our own. See, when we look at the Bible, we see people for years and years and years trying to be good enough on their own to earn salvation, to earn God's love. But in our own abilities, again, we fall short. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
in coming to the earth, Jesus did what we could never do. He came and he lived the perfect life we could never live and died a death in our place, the death that we deserved. We could never earn our salvation, but Jesus completed and finished work on the cross is enough for that. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus and given your life to Jesus. You can do that this morning. You can stop striving to be good enough on your own. Stop trying to earn God's love with your works. And you can put your faith and trust in the completed work of Jesus on the cross. You can call out to God with a prayer, something like this this morning. The words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. It's calling out from your heart to God. Something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. Because of my sins, I know I deserve hell. But I believe you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sins. I'm turning from my sins and I'm turning to you, Jesus. If you said that prayer this morning, I'm not going to ask you to do anything, raise your hand, come up here, anything like that. But we would love to pray for you. We'd love to know you made that decision. And if you would, just write on your connection card this morning, I chose Jesus. We want to celebrate that with you. We want to walk beside you as you take your next steps. And some of us just need to pray this morning. God, I'm sorry for trying to be powerful and good and the mightiest in my own works. I'm trusting that you can do that for me, Jesus. See, a lot of us come here week to week and we can repent and ask forgiveness for our sins, but I think there's times we need to repent of our own goodness where you're trying to be good enough and strong enough and smart enough and powerful enough on your own. Maybe you need to pray to God this morning and say, I'm sorry for where I thought I could be God in my life. God, I'm done trying. Here I am. I surrender myself to be more available to you. Continue to let the Spirit lead you this morning, whether it's through prayer, through worship. The band's going to play for us.